Welcome to Sermons of Grace with Pastor David Murphy of the Grace Baptist Church in Gambles Terrace, Antigua. Last week in our study of the Book of Romans, Pastor Murphy showed us that Scripture's approach to evangelism is to begin with the wrath of God. Today we'll see the many ways that God has revealed His wrath. All right, I'd like you to turn your Bibles with me, please, to the Book of Romans. Book of Romans, chapter 1. And we are going to return to verse number 18 for our study this evening. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul uh, writes to these Roman believers and he says to them in verse 18. Well, let's read verse 17 first because I will show you the connection between the two. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then suddenly the Apostle Paul breaks in in verse 18, he says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And our thought would be on that passage this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to help us as we try to deal with our text. Oh, Father, you must have smiled tonight to hear the testimonies and the witness that was born to your faithfulness. Now, Lord, we come to your word tonight. And we ask you to give us the capacity to once again uh, try to grapple with this text. Uh, we are trying to expound scripture, we're trying to explain scripture, we're trying to illustrate scripture, and we're trying to confirm the truth of scripture in the lives of your people. Uh, we're not here, Lord, tonight to debate politics or say, sociology or any other form of uh, science that people may have. We're here to hear what you have to say and how we can make this word of God applicable to our lives. So we thank you for the time we're here, and we thank you for your spirit that indwells us and who is able to confirm your truth as it is preached. And we pray that he will enlighten us in his ways and in the truth of his word, and that we would profit from it in our dealings with others, as well as in our growth in our own spiritual lives. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for what you're about to do. And thank you, Lord, for giving us your sacred word to edify us and to challenge us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. In our last message, when we began to look at this Roman epistle, we considered the prominence that the New Testament gives to the doctrine of the wrath of God. In fact, I, I mentioned when I dealt with that particular subject, that if you were to go through the book of Romans, you will discover that the Apostle Paul makes reference to the wrath of God ten different times in this one book. You find it in chapter 1, verse 18, chapter 2, verse 5. Chapter 2, verse 8, chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 22, chapter 12, verse 19, 13, 4, and 13, 5. In other words, here is an epistle of 16 chapters, but yet the Apostle Paul emphasizes again and again the concept of the wrath of God. Now, the Apostle Paul simply could not think of the gospel without thinking in terms of this tremendous idea of the wrath of God. Because the two of them are, are linked, the two of them are related. In other words, the gospel has come because there's something called wrath. 
If there's no wrath, there's no need for the gospel. So Paul cannot think of one without the other. And that is why when Paul now begins to expound the gospel, he begins with this concept of wrath. I'm not going to go there because I've hammered it again and again. That when we begin to deal with people, we don't deal with God's love. I repeat that. We don't deal with God's love. We, we point men to the fact that they're under wrath. Bring them to the point where the word of God makes them tremble. As it were. Uh, but our mistake that we keep, we, we got a trump card card love that we keep throwing it up front, front. No. We're not gamblers, but what gambler give the trump card first? See? You, you hold it. It's a, it's a check card. See? And I think that's the mistake we make in evangelism. Uh, and I pointed out to you, we make it so much that anytime we're dealing with them now, they say, God loves me. See? And although, you, so you can't even now mention wrath because you've disarmed the concept of wrath. The Apostle Paul, we must follow the Pauline method of evangelism and dealing with the gospel and understand that this matter of wrath is so essential. Now, we must be very clear in our mind what we mean by this term, the wrath of God. When we think of wrath, we have a tendency to think in terms of human wrath. We think in categories of uh, what we might call some kind of a rage where a person lacks control and they go into this maniacal outburst of emotion. That is not what Paul is talking about here. When Paul is talking here about wrath, the Apostle Paul is talking about the character of God, the nature of God. And you cannot think of God as being an impulsive, uncontrollable, maniacal explosion as though he has lost control. Wrath is something that God dispenses quite deliberately. He doesn't act impulsively. And I think we need to be very, very clear about that. It's unthinkable to think of God in terms of human categories in that concept. But when the Bible talks about wrath, it's referring to God's hatred of sin. And because of God's hatred, it is also speaking of God's ultimate punishment of sin. Look, nobody in here can read the Bible or study the Bible or look at God's dealing with, whether it be with nations or individuals, or other entities, whether it be angel, angelic beings, without understanding that if there's one thing that God hates, is sin. No question about that. Sin is totally abhorrent to God. And God is opposed to anything that is hateful uh, to God. And God, in His justice and His holiness, must finally punish sin. Uh, you know, God could never wave a magic wand and say to Robert, you know, I forgive you. Could never do that. God must be true to his law because God is just. So God has to meet the demands of the law. And when the law says that the wage of sin is death, it means that somebody has to die. God can just say, I'm God, so therefore I bypass my law. I bypass my principles. I bypass my justice. God must be loving and just at the same time. And that is why there must be wrath. Because sin brings wrath. But God has to either expend that wrath on you. Or a great substitute. And that's the marvel of it, see. This is what Paul is, is trying to, to, to grapple with. And uh, this is what I want to deal with a little bit more tonight. Concerning this matter of God's wrath. And I would like to say to you that this is not a, a doctrine that we should argue with, with the unsafe person. I repeat that. The man that is an unbeliever. He's quite consistent and very logical in saying he doesn't believe in wrath. Number one, he doesn't believe in God. 
Number two, he doesn't see any need for righteousness. So why should he believe in wrath? So we, this is not something that we argue with the unsaved person. What we do, we declare it. We preach it. See? And let God use his word. to. I said to you, God's word has inherent power in it. And rather than apologizing for God's word and explaining and reasoning why it is so, what we need to do is just declare it. See? Leave it there. See? We don't owe the unsaved man any explanation. We are to declare God's word and leave and let God use his word to accomplish his purpose. However, what to me bothers me is that it's utterly inconsistent for a person who says that they believe Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Look at it. It's talking about, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Okay. In the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed. The righteousness that comes by faith is revealed in the gospel. Now, now you notice in verse number 18, Paul uses the same term. The wrath of God is revealed. So how can one man embrace chapter verse 17, but yet have a problem with verse 18? God's righteousness that's in the gospel is revealed. God's wrath is also revealed. So it's totally inconsistent for one man to say, well, you know, I, I believe verse 17, but I don't believe verse 18. But we got a lot of people in churches, not our um, type of churches, who they believe in the, the rights of God, rights that comes through faith. They believe in that. But they don't believe in wrath. They believe in something else like annihilation. They believe that when you're dead, you're dead as a dog. They believe in soul state. They believe in all other forms except this thing. And that is where I think the inconsistency, it bothers me that a person can believe verse 17, which it says, God reveals the gospel. But God not only reveals the gospel, Paul said God reveals his wrath too. So by what logic, by what reasoning can I believe one and reject the other? So it's the inconsistency that you find among professed believers that seem to me totally unthinkable. And uh, for us, what we need uh, clearly is to hold to these two things together. And, and, and I would say something else here. I don't think you will ever understand the need for verse 17 until you understand the problem of verse 18. See? Why you need righteousness. Why it comes by faith. See? You need it because you're under wrath. And if you don't put your faith and trust in God, that wrath will be poured out on you. So if you destroy verse 18, you've virtually made verse 17 useless. Now, these two things go together. The reveal righteousness of God through faith and the reveal wrath of God also. These things are revealed. And uh, we need to understand as believers the illogical uh, position that people take when they reject one and embrace the other. Now, that brings me to a question tonight that I want to answer in this text. If the Bible said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, the question I ask is, how is it revealed and where is it revealed? God has revealed it. So my question that I want to answer tonight is the question of how is God, how does God reveal his wrath? See? And how has he revealed his wrath? And that is what the, the gist of the essence of this uh, sermon is tonight. I want to answer that particular question. And I want to look at the ways in which God has revealed his wrath. Now remember that God's wrath is God's hatred against sin. It, it is God's hatred that eventually culminates in God's judgment. Of sin. So how does God and how has God revealed this hatred for sin and greed 
that because of, of his hatred to sin, ultimately, man will suffer wrath. I want to share a few thoughts. Number one, I think that God has revealed his wrath to man in the fact that God has, first of all, put certain things within man. In other words, within man himself, God has revealed his hatred for sin. Let me explain what I mean. There are two ways in which he's done that. Number one, he's done that in, in terms of the, the conscience that we have. Do you agree with me that every single human being, irrespective, is born with a sense of what is right and what is wrong? And I want to say to you that we also have a deep sense that evil must be punished. We all have that innate within us. Now, of course, when it comes to other people's sin being punished, we say, oh yes. When it comes to us, we have second thoughts. But really deep within our soul, there is this inherent, innate ability in us that we have something called a conscience. And that conscience tells you what is right and what is wrong. The Apostle Paul in chapter 2 and verse 15, he will go on to elaborate on this whole argument when he's talking about the Gentile world and answering the question, what happened to the heathen? Remember that in this chapter 1, he will condemn the Jews and then he will condemn the heathen. The question that people ask, well, well how can you condemn the heathen? And Paul says that, you know, well, they don't have the law. And Paul said, they have the law written where? In their hearts. Their conscience, excusing or ex- uh, accusing or yet excusing them. The conscience. And I want to say to you that that's one way that God has revealed his hatred of sin. He has put within every man, irrespective of who that man is, a conscience that tells that man there is something wrong with doing wrong. And when you do wrong, you ought to be punished. When that happens within you, sir, automatically, God is revealing his wrath. It's within the conscience of the individual. That is why people believe in a system of law and justice. For the punishment of evildoers and offenders and perpetrators. And this is all something that you and I have nothing to do with. It's just something that God has placed within us. It's like a little microchip put within your computer that is programmed that no matter how you try to scramble it, it always tells you it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. No matter how you try to, to wipe it off with a, a cloth, see, you can't, see, you can't. It, it is still there. It is still there. See? It haunts you. It is called conscious. And may I add something to this? Not only is there a sense of right and wrong, a sense that it needs to be punished, but may I add something else? There's also a sense of remorse. When a person sins, and when it is all over, there is a sense of misery and shame and guilt. It is there. You said, Pastor Murphy, why is it that this is so automatic? Why is this that this is so inevitable? There's only one answer. God has revealed his wrath, his hatred for sin. And believe it, he has revealed that within the human personality itself. He's built that into that we understand why wrath is so essential for sin. So when Paul talks about the wrath of God revealed, one of the ways in which God has revealed that is within the human conscience. But number two, Another way in which God has revealed his wrath is seen also in terms of consequences. I'm thinking now in terms of physical consequences. You know, if you break certain laws, you suffer what? Certain physical consequences. Uh, For example, if a man decides that he's going to drink a half a gallon of alcohol, 
You can be guaranteed that there will be immediate consequences. A terrible headache, nausea, maybe even vomiting. And hopefully, uh, not hopefully, and chances are the beginning of work and sclerosis will deliver. See? That's a law. There are consequences. And, and, and when, we, when we do something and consequences following, it is just revealing to us the principle of God's wrath, God's anger, God's hatred. Again, consequences, the law of consequences is one of the great ways by which God reveals his. And I need not say to, uh, uh, I need not remind you this evening that a single passionate act of immorality could create an immediate pregnancy. Consequences. Why is that so? Because God has built it into the system to reveal to you his wrath, his anger against sin. Paul said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. And by the way, this concept of consequences is not something that is accidental. If you go into the book of Genesis, you will see that the moment man sinned in Genesis chapter 3, God made sure that certain consequences followed. Immediately. I remember hearing a pastor sometime, year, many years ago, preaching umpteen years ago, when I was young. <laughs> but I remember he was, he, was doing a very, he was doing a very dramatic uh, presentation and message, and he was talking about the idyllic state in which Eden was. And he talked about, um, I, I can sort of remember him talking about uh, Adam going into the garden and picking a rose for his wife. And bringing it to his adorable wife. And then sin came and he picked another one and he got pricked for the first time. I can still remember the drama of that. See, see. One moment there are no thorns, another moment thorns and thistles. Immediate consequences. See. The ground is cursed. The animals that once were part of man's partners now have become the enemies of man. They now live in fear of man. Immediate consequences. See. And of course, the matter that the moment Adam sinned, According to scripture, he died. I am saying to you that it is very, very clear that one of the ways that God has revealed his wrath from heaven is that he's done that by way of not only of the implanted conscience in us that witness to us that when we do wrong, it ought to be punished. But also because when we do things that are wrong, there are certain consequences that follow sometimes immediately. Some may take a longer time, but some are very, very often very immediate. This is how another way in which God has revealed his wrath from heaven. But let me give you a third thing. A third way in which God has revealed his wrath from heaven. And I want to say that God has revealed his wrath from heaven when you look at the very state of his creation today. Again, take you back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember that he said there would now be thorns and thistles. Remember he said that uh, women will no longer, they would, they would now give birth. I wonder how God intended that to happen. Come by airplane or something. But notice that they will have pains in childbirth. This is part of the consequences of, of, of wrong. And then there was the whole matter of the animal kingdom living now in rebellion. The earth refusing to yield its fruit and man having to labor with the sweat of his brow. Listen, take the loveliest garden that you could ever imagine. And just ignore it for a year or two. And it becomes a jungle of a wilderness. <laughs> you have to do nothing. Just ignore it. That is part of the, the curse on creation. Oh, there are many lovely things in creation, my dear friend. But never look, when you look at creation, you, you see it scarred. 
You see the rose, but you also see the thorn. See, And I'm saying to you that one of the ways that God has revealed his wrath from heaven is that the creation that we witness is a fallen creation and it's under the curse. And while there's so many lovely things that we can observe, there's so many things that are very dangerous to our health and our safety, as well as dangerous to our lives. Now, Paul, in chapter 8, will deal with this, but I want you to refer to it for just a moment. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and look at verse number 19 to 20. He said, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. Notice his words. For we know that what? The whole creation grow and traveleth in pain together until now. You ever hear a donkey bear? <gasps> in the minor tone. See? Song so sad. You ever heard the, the, the dove cooing because they've lost its partner? That melancholy tone? Throughout nature, there are so many minor tones you can hear. And that is all witness to the incredible fact that God has revealed his wrath in the very creation that he made. The creation is another means by which God has revealed his wrath. Let me give you another four, number four. Fourthly, uh, Paul said that uh, God has revealed his wrath from heaven. And the fourth uh, uh, way in which he has done this, and this is one that you, you would all agree with, there is today what we may call the universal experience of D-E-A-T-H. It's something called death. Death. Now, when we come to chapter 5, and we'll get there in Romans chapter 5, you'll find that this is Paul's whole argument, where Paul is showing that all have sinned. And Paul's argument to prove that all have sinned is that what? All died from the time of Adam until Moses before the law came. So the law did not bring death. Death was in place long before the law came. That is Paul. We'll get there in chapter 5. But the point that needs to be reinforced is that death reigns today. One day your body should be the worm for food. One day, your, your, all your beauty that you're going to see, you're going to become a skeleton and look just like me. No difference. You may be prettier than me now. You may have better hair and better skin and all kinds of better this. You may not have the rings I've got. But listen to me. One day, you're going to take up your skull and look like a nice skull. See? Like a fallen skull. And the fact is, death is very, very real. See? And the reason why there is universal death because that is one way that God has revealed his wrath from heaven. Death is one of the consequences of his wrath from heaven. That he hates sin. And that is why this thing called death is a reality today. And uh, the, only way, the only way you can escape it is through the rapture. Outside of that, sir, you're as good as a dead man. You're a dead man walking, as a matter of fact. See? It's just that you haven't fallen down yet. You, you, I don't know if I shared this with you, but some years ago, a guy was told he was going to die. And he decided he ain't going to sleep. Not serious. He decided he not going to sleep. He died standing up. <laughs> no, seriously. He's he not going to go to sleep. Died standing up. Uh, another guy, I remember that um, there was a, where we lived in our home, there was a coconut tree. And the guy was picking some coconuts and he, 
the, the, the coconut hit the limb and hit another guy. He thought he was going to die. He grabbed onto the other choking him, saying, if I die, you die too. <laughs> that literally happened. Literally happened. But, you know, I, I am saying to you that this is a, a manifestation of divine wrath. This is a manifestation that God is. Listen, when God told Adam and Eve, the day you eat that fruit, you will surely die. Adam was hoodwinked. Totally hoodwinked by the enemy. But the moment he yielded to in disobedience to God, the principle of death became operative in, in Adam's life. He died spiritually. But from that moment on, Adam was as good as dead. He was a living man with a dying body. Why? That's because of God's wrath. So when Paul talks about the wrath of God revealed, one of those ways in which God revealed that wrath is, and by the way, the word revealed that it is unveiled. It, it, it is manifested. God wants to manifest the fact that he, his wrath is against, that he, his, his, his hatred of sin. He wants, and he's showing us in many different ways. So there's no doubt in our minds that we are in danger and need the gospel. That's the point. Because we are all under wrath. See? Fifthly, a fifth way in which God has revealed his wrath and manifested wrath is what I call in his act of judgment in history. Now we can divide history into two branches. Or we can divide it into two sections. There is what we might call sacred history. And it's what we may call general secular history. But when you look in biblical sacred history or general secular history, there's one thing you will see. The wrath of God. Because in history, God has revealed his wrath. Let's trace this evening this concept of God's wrath being revealed in history. Uh, I already mentioned to you, and let me, let me begin to trace it in the Bible. Let's begin with the history of man, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where, where there's an Adam and Eve. And where they're enjoying, as the pastor came here sometime before talking about in the garden. Wonderful sermon. Honestly, the, the whole idea, the concept of, of, of fellowship, communion, relationship going on. See? Uh, but you remember what happened? That was an act of history. The moment man decided that he was not going to live in obedience to, to God's command, what happened? The moment that happened, he's driven out of paradise. What used to be the light now becomes a labor. He becomes, woman is placed in a subservient role. Man is given the role of headship. And by the way, those same consequences still continue today. And what man is doing, whether they know it or not, in trying to tamper with this arrangement that God has made in connection with the headship of man and the, the role of a woman being a, a submissive role and a subversive role, all the attempts to twist that is to try to undo what God has established in his wrath. God is the one because of sin that put these roles. Before it was Adam and Eve working together. After the fall, it is man and woman. That's the order. And it's part of the, the consequences of God's wrath. And we've got to be very careful we don't tamper with what God has put in order. That's why today they're tampering with male and female. Gender. You don't tamper with those things. God has established those things. But man in his will is trying to reverse what God has established. And I want to say to you this evening... That when it comes to the act of God in history demonstrating his wrath, we must start with the fact that he did it when, when Adam sinned. In his wrath, he drove man out of the garden. Cut off his access to the tree of life. It was possible that Adam would, could have, and he could have lived eternally. 
They were given the tree of life. But then when they sinned, that was removed. But there's an act of God's wrath in history. And when you see that, you've got to understand this is God revealing his wrath, his hatred for sin. And from the very beginning. And then we come to the next event in history, biblical history, which has to do with Cain. He's the first person that commits homicide. He commits familial murder. He murders his brother. But you remember that rather than be repentant, he is very arrogant. And uh, the Lord says, you know, if you do right, your face will be lifted up. And, and you know that what happened? God makes him what? A vagabond. He becomes a beatnik. He, he, and you know where he goes? He, he doesn't find consolation in God, so he creates a city. He finds comfort in city life. And God made sure that his wrath would... He put a mark on Cain. Everyone says, my wrath is on that man. Wherever Cain went, that mark was a symbol of divine judgment and exclusion from God's presence. And I'm saying to you that in the judgment on Cain, we see the wrath of God. You know, you say, Pastor, how could that be wrath? Cain was allowed to do his own thing, go his own way. Do you know that's wrath too? Were you aware of that? That part of the way that God demonstrated his wrath, I know sometimes he can deliberately hit you down. Bam! But there are times when God in his wrath removes his hand from your life. And brother, you can do anything you want to. God doesn't speak. The clouds are like brass. There are no prophets, no priests. There's no word of God from you. And you are living in a world of complete private death. You're going on, but you're going on without any real meaning in your life. Because God has withdrawn his hand. That was what happened with Cain, see? So when you said that, you know, why didn't, why didn't kill Cain? Because part of the wrath of God is to remove restraints from your life. And let you go your own way and do your own thing. And go to your own destruction. Suffer your own consequence. And in the case of Cain, that seemed very... And then number three, as far as the acts of God in history, we come to the great flood in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. What a staggering phenomenon that is. And this is something, by the way, that is certainly mentioned again and again in the scripture. The course of the flood was nothing more than a display of divine wrath where God poured out upon mankind. Can you think of anything more terrible to just see that the entire body of humanity, their bodies floating on an ocean, and they're only eight out of the entire mass of humanity that God saves. You think about that for just a moment. Why? Because that's the way of God showing the, the severity of his wrath. See? And you remember that the reason that it's given that man's became so evil that even the very imaginative thoughts were only evil continually. And then God said, I, I will no longer put up with man. My spirit shall not always bear with man. And then the flood came. But no one can ever doubt that the flood that came is a display of the fact that God has revealed his wrath from heaven. So not only in the case of Adam and Eve, not only in the case of, of Cain, but even in the case of the flood. It is all a manifestation that God hates sin and that God pours out his wrath upon sin. That's why Paul said the wrath of God is revealed. How is it revealed, Paul? These are the different ways in which it is revealed. And then we come to the fourth manifestation in, in biblical history of God's wrath and that has to do with the tower of Babel once again God's commands are flouted after the flood God gives man a directive to scatter unto the utmost force and, and multiply the earth but man has a contrary agenda 
And so what man does, he wants to create a miniature saw of the United Nations. Well, we shouldn't call it United Nations. There are no nations then. But he wants to create what I would call the P-O-A-G, a people united against God movement. And the symbol of that was to create this uh, massive power, which would be equivalent to what we might call the modern skyscraper. Going right up to the heaven is a symbol of human pride. Rebellion. God says, Carter, they said, no, we're going to come together. And then you remember the story that God comes down from heaven and the Bible says God brings about confusion. This is where languages come into play. One woman, a man is speaking one language. Next woman, he wants to know, wait, what language is that? See? You know what God is doing? What God is revealing his wrath. See? And he's judging them. And so we've got the Tower of Babel. And that word Babel means what? Confusion. Total confusion. That confusion is a divine act of God displaying his wrath against man's rebellion. In history, we see it as well. And then uh, the fifth one that we find in, 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 um, in, in, in uh, biblical history is, is we come to chapter 19. We all know that terrible chapter. The city of perverts. It's called Sodom and Gomorrah. Read it again, by the way. And you will see the character of a nation, a character of a people, a character city, where they become dominant in the lifestyle. You remember that it was not just the old people that went to Saul's house. It said the old and the young. See? They must create a second generation. It, we also told that they were very militant. You will never meet more aggressive people than the homosexual. See? Very, very militant. And then they're always willing to, to use violence. Because they cannot countenance that you will go against what they say is their natural tendency. They're offended that you don't accept them as normal. And because of that, they become very militant, very violent, and they take very uh, severe action. And you know what? In the case of Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 19, not even the supernatural act of God to bring blindness could stop them from pursuing. Can you imagine, here I am, and I'm trying to get a, a man, and, and, and the angel come and blind me, and I still grabbed him over to go to the house? <laughs> you, you think, that's the level of depravity that this movement is all about. And then what did God do? God revealed his wrath. He sent down fire and brimstone and turned the entire nation into carbon. carbon. Burn them all up. It is a matter of God's wrath see, in history. Now tonight, I can mention a sixth way in which God has revealed his wrath, and that is God has revealed his wrath in numerous ways in different individuals. If time would allow me tonight, we could talk about Saul, how God revealed his wrath on Saul because of his disobedience. We could look at God's wrath in David's life. See, how God, because of David's sin, made sure that the same sins David committed were repeated in the life of his family. You remember David said, any man that do this should pay four times? God said, four times? David, four times? All right. Four of his children do the same thing. Four times. No, he's the one that said it, not God. We can look at it in the life of uh, Manasseh. We can look at life in Nebuchadnezzar where the man who was a king now eats grass like an ox. His fingernails are like claws and his hair is like bird feathers. That's the proud man that said, this is not great Babylon that I have built by my glory. And God said, I'll bring you down. See, It's a display of divine wrath in individuals. And then we can talk about God dealing with nations. 
How God dealt with Israel and showed his wrath to Israel. We're told that over a million came out of the land of Egypt with them in the wilderness. But we're told, we're told that only the spies went into the promised land. God bleached all their bones. The whole generation was lost. What does that show you? The wrath of God. He's angry against sin. He hates sin even in the lives of his people. And then we can talk about God dealing with Tyre and Sidon. Question, where now is Babylon? Where is the great Medo-Persian Empire? Where is the monolithic Greek Empire that people talk about? And where is Rome? See, All in the ashes. You know why? It is all an indication that God, when people go away from God and a nation gets involved in a lifestyle of sin and, and forget God, listen, God's wrath is vented sooner or later. See? He does it. But I want to point out one last thing to you tonight as far as God's wrath. And when Paul said the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men, I believe that Paul had something far greater in mind. Something that is hinted in the Old Testament, but something that is explicitly explained in the New Testament. The greatest display of divine wrath is the cross. There is no greater display of divine wrath than the cross of Christ. There's nothing anywhere, whether in history or anywhere, that approximates the revelation of the wrath of God. Now when God poured his wrath on his son, and his son cries out, My God, my God, why has that? Listen, in those mo- in that moment, in those words, it encapsulates the greatest degree of divine wrath ever expressed. The cross shows God's love. But never forget it also demonstrates the wrath of God. Anger. Because I told you when I began, somebody has to pay for sin. God's wrath will be poured out on sin. And could I tell you what happened at the cross? He who knew no sin became sin for you. And the entire concentrated wrath of God was, was poured out on his son. In that one moment. That, sir, is a climactic demonstration that God's wrath is revealed. In the cross, there is in that cross a, a demonstration of divine wrath. Now, by the way, that is why it does a great injustice when anyone treats the cross with sentimentality or anyone denies the cross. It's the greatest affront to God for man to, to be sentimental about the cross or, or to deny the cross because that is a supreme demonstration. Of divine wrath. A great marvel. That God would not spare his son. And he had to vent his wrath. Because of his hatred. For sin. I want to say to you. uh, As a believer. This evening. We've got to come to grips with this. As a reality. Listen. Men are in real danger. Your son is in real danger. Your daughter is in real danger. Your mom is in great real danger. Your auntie is in great danger. Your friends at school are in great danger. They're under divine wrath. That's why Paul saw the gospel was such a supreme truth. He could not divorce one from the other. And that's why he could say to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Listen, I am coming to Rome, but I'm not coming to Rome with a sword. I'm coming to the world with a gospel. See? Because it's the answer 
to the pagan state that the Roman Empire was in. And Paul was cognizant of the fact that men were under wrath. And that is what motivated the Apostle Paul to give his life to carry the gospel to the end of the world. You know, one of the greatest passages in the Bible that I, I don't know if I could fathom it. I don't know if you can fathom it. It's in Romans where Paul says, I wish I could be a curse for my people. Can you imagine a man I wish I could go to hell and all my people get saved? Now you, you, think about, you think about that for just a moment. See? That is not only an act of supreme love, but it's an act also of understanding supreme danger his people is in. And that is why the Apostle Paul was tireless. Wherever he went, he's called to the Gentiles, but wherever he went, the first thing went to the synagogue. Because he had a burden for his own people. You see, when you understand not love only, but you understand divine wrath, it compels you. Knowing therefore the terror of God, we what? We persuade men. Is this truth that has been lost to the church? It really is. This is no longer a motivating force for the church. Because we've lost sight of it. Because we're teaching something that's so mushy. And I repeat, we start where Paul starts. We start with the doctrine of divine wrath. And we bring men to the point where they see that they need divine intervention. Unless this wrath is going to be fented on them. So the Apostle Paul is, is just telling us that this wrath has been revealed. And I just want to sh- share it with you. Different ways in which uh, it has been revealed. It's been revealed in our conscience. It's been revealed in the consequences that we suffer uh, as people. It's been revealed in the acts of history. It's been revealed in God dealing with individuals. It's been revealed in God dealing with nations. But supremely, it has been revealed in Christ's punishment on the cross by his Father on our behalf. That, sir, is the wrath of God revealed from heaven. I wish that we really felt it. And it impacted us as Paul probably intended it to be. But we'll sit here tonight and we will agree. we shake our heads. We might say amen. We might do whatever it is. But the question is, does that truth impact what we do tomorrow? Do we see the guy walking down the street as lost? Do we see the shopkeeper we go to as lost? Do we see the children we teach in our schools as lost? Do we see our darling mother we love so much as lost? Do we see the children that live in our home as lost? Do we? Do we see them as under wrath? I want to continue along this line next time again, but I want to look at it from another angle again because the Apostle Paul is going to emphasize that He's against unrighteous, but people are what doing with this one? They're holding it down. That's part of the reason why God's wrath is revealed, that people are holding down the wrath, uh, the truth about God in unrighteousness. We'll talk about that next time as part of this particular subject. I hope that somehow I've uh, given you some help in, in this area and that you have a bigger handle on this subject and uh, you can see more clearly how God has really manifested that in, in terms of demonstrating it and unveiling it and showing it. Join us again next time here on Sermons of Grace as Pastor Murphy shows us many of the evidences of God and how these make man guilty before God without excuse.
If you'd like to contact Pastor David Murphy or Grace Baptist Church, please call 268-462-4230 or visit during one of their service times. Sunday school is at 9 a.m., Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday evening at 7 p.m., or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Grace Baptist Church is located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles Terrace, Antigua.